Dragon, the podcast, or as we like to call it, the Plain Ordinary Dragon Cast. See what I did there? Podcast. Anyway, we like creative plays on words here. We like creativity. We like artistry and artists and all that good stuff. That's what Plain Ordinary Dragon is about, or at least partially that's what Plain Ordinary Dragon is all about. You see, before we get started, what I want to do real quickly is I want to thank you for spending your time with us. And it's something that, that we don't take for granted. You know, time is the most valuable resource we have. It's not replenishable. And the fact that you would take a few minutes and spend yours with us today is very humbling. And, and we really appreciate that. So I just wanted to start off by saying thank you. Gratitude is one of the most important things in, in the world. And so today, I just wanted to let you know I am so grateful for your time uh, that you're going to spend here with us. So today what we're going to do, this is the first episode. This is the launch. This is the, this is the, uh, the beginning really of a journey that started a long time ago. If you've listened to the teaser trailer at this point, then you already know how uh, plain ordinary dragon kind of came to be. If you've read the website, same thing. But for those of you that haven't, I'm going to re- recap just quickly here. Plain ordinary dragon was first thought of as a concept, I think it was back around 2006. I was working for a Fortune 500 company and we were doing uh, the Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. You may have heard of it. Um, We were doing that class. You read the book and there was classwork. And while we were in that class, something, I, I wouldn't necessarily say transformative, but something, an aha moment came to me, which was there were a number of people in this class that we, that I worked side by side with. I mean, that's kind of the way these classes work, right? They get everybody signed up and then, you know, you all do your coursework together and it's a team building exercise and, and all those, all those different things. But what happened for me was as we were going through these different exercises, I began to kind of pull away the layers that had surrounded some of my coworkers in that I didn't spend a lot of time with them necessarily. And we were always busy, right? You're always, always working to produce things and you're always working to make sure that you've got everything under wraps and we're all so busy, right? I mean, this is the busiest time to be alive. I think, you know, if you have a family and kids, you've got, you know, all those things that that have to be taken care of. And then you want to be a consummate professional. So you want your work to stand on its own. So you have all of these goals and lists and and we're going so fast trying to make sure that we do everything the right way that sometimes things get lost in the mix. For me, one of the things that, uh, that I discovered was people had gotten lost in the mix. The interesting thing was is that when I sat down with some of these people and we did some of these exercises, something became very apparent to me. And what became apparent was how amazing and brilliant all of these people were that I worked with, but I had never seen that before. It it was like, I knew that they were good at their jobs, but I didn't know anything really about them personally. I didn't know the challenges they had overcome. I hadn't heard their stories. And then as I started to hear their stories, I began to realize, wow, that's, that's an amazing thing you've gone through. Um, 
you know, I like to, to talk about it. I mean, there was one, one woman in the class whose, uh, family, um, didn't make it in the 9-11 attacks. Uh, you talk about a powerful story and an inspiring story as to, you know, how to move on past that situation, uh, you know, or the single mother who uh, is working tirelessly to be able to kind of live life on her own terms, provide for her kid or kids. There's nothing wrong with interviewing people that have, you know, created uh, great capitalistic things. I'm all for that. And we'll have some of them on this podcast for sure. What I wanted to do was I wanted to highlight and tell the stories of people who are normal they're what we would consider ordinary, but when you dig a little deeper, when you look past the surface, you find that they are amazing creatures, amazing people. They've done just things that, that you will sit back and go, wow, I'm not sure I could do that. And so that's what I wanted to highlight. That was the reason behind Plain Ordinary Dragon as a podcast, as a website, as an idea, as a concept, is that we're all plain, ordinary dragons. But dragons are these amazing creatures. They're they're powerful. And that was what I wanted to do is I, I wanted us to realize that we were kind of like we're kind of like a plain ordinary dragon. We we may not we may not have built an Amazon or an Apple or something along those lines, but it doesn't make it any less impressive. You know, my father he raised five kids, uh, worked mostly at an aluminum diecast factory as I was growing up. And there were times where, you know, I thought, you know, why, why are you doing that job, dad? Because I know you can do more. But one of the things that, that dad was really dead set on was making sure that his family was taken care of, that his family work together as a unit, that we were a real honest to God family. And that's one of his greatest accomplishments in life. And that's amazing. Uh, and, and we can look around and see why that's different in some cases than others. But the fact that he did that and in some ways gave up his own dreams to make sure that his kids were taken care of, his family was taken care of, and, and that he did what he felt was right for the family, that is very admirable. And it's amazing. It really is. It's an impressive feat. Those kinds of things, those kinds of people, which we all are, we, we don't stop and take a look at how impressive we are. We'll start kind of at the beginning here. Just realize you're already a winner. You were conceived as a winner, and I can pretty well prove it. Do you know that on average, there are a hundred million sperm per activity that come out searching for an egg? Of those hundred million, only one makes it and fertilizes that egg and becomes a human being. Now, we all know this from biology. Right. <laughs> this is not uh, this is not rocket surgery, but you're the one that made it. You you started life as a winner of a hundred million entities. Think about that. That's right. You've already won the biggest game. You were able to be conceived and come into this world. And everything from there on out. 
Well, that's how we decide to do things. Those are choices that we make. Now, not everybody has the same privilege. I'm, I'm not saying that we're all the same because some people are far more privileged than others, but we all have the opportunity to try, right? We all have, at least in the United States, there is still some semblance of the pursuit of happiness. And so from that point on, the choice is yours. Now, maybe you didn't realize <laughs> that the choice was yours. And that's part of what the podcast is about to try to help all of us, myself included, really understand how powerful we are, what we can do when we decide to do it. And if we look back at our history, we will find we have success after success after success and failure after failure after failure. And how the two of them are interconnected because the failures lead to successes. But the problem is, or at least part of the issue is that because everyone is so amazing, we look at other people and say, oh, wow, look how amazing they are, as opposed to, wow, look how amazing I am. There's nothing wrong with, with realizing how amazing you are because you are. You're important, very important, because you are the only one of you. You're the only one of you that will ever exist and your perspective and your voice are the only, the only ones that can say what you have to say because you are unique. You are special and your voice is badly needed in the world today. And that my friends is part of why plain ordinary dragon exists today so that you can have a moment to reflect and look in the mirror and realize I am amazing. I can do this. And we'll talk about philosophy. We'll talk about a lot of things on this podcast. And, and this really wasn't, uh, th this first episode was really to kind of introduce you to me and let you know that I'm going to be your host. And with that, I've already forgotten to introduce myself. My name's Elliot Clifton, and I am so happy that you're here today. I'll tell you a little bit about myself. I was born in, in the mid-70s to two full-blown hippie parents, uh, and, and they, are, they were full-blown hippies at, at that time when I was born. Uh, if you want proof, uh, my, my mom and dad had five kids, and all five of them were born at home in their house, and my dad delivered every single one of them. No midwives, no doctors in attendance. Now, it doesn't get more hippie than that, folks. That's what I was born into. I was born into a world where love and tolerance and uh, connectedness were all values, respect for one another, respect for other lives, compassion. Uh, all those things were, were the principles that I grew up with. Those were the things that I learned. Those were the things that I quickly learned were missing in other parts of the world as well. And so I've always felt that it was my job to carry the banner for those things for tolerance, for love, for acceptance. After I was born, uh, then schooling came along, right? My parents, in, in true hippie fashion, put me into a private uh, Waldorf school. If you haven't, if you haven't heard of one um, before, obviously you can go out there and look it up. But basically, it's an arts-related sort of school. 
So they focused on things like, you know, modeling clay and, uh, and, and listening to stories and writing the stories down in the main lesson book and things along those lines, you know, uh, artisan sort of things like making bread from scratch or sewing. Um, and, it, and, and as far as all of those pieces go, it helped me so much to learn how to think outside the box, not in just standard ways, because my early learning years were about thinking outside the box. And now a few years later, when I tried to learn how to, you know, balance a checkbook, there were some challenges because the three R's weren't, you know, the, the, the main part of that. So there were some challenges with that later down the road, but that's where I started. And in somewhere uh, in the in the early 80s, my parents decided to move to Northwest Arkansas, and so then I was put into public school. Talk about a culture shock. After that, I was homeschooled some, and then I was sent to a another private a Christian school, actually, uh, in Northwest Arkansas, where I ultimately graduated. I went on and, and did some... Uh, community college for a few years before I decided that I wanted to be one of those guys that went out and, and experienced things to figure out what I wanted to do. To this day, I may not know exactly what I want to do, but for me, it was one of the best decisions that I ever made. That was kind of my, my, my formative schooling years. And I know that some of this may be a little boring, uh, but I wanted you to kind of understand where I am coming from. Uh, since I'm, uh, I'm going to you know, be interviewing a lot of people, I wanted you to at least have a frame of reference for me and who I am. So I've been a, a jack of all trades most of my life, you know, jack of all trades, master of some. I mean, there are some things that I'm, I'm pretty good at these days. I'll run through a few of them. My, my friends actually have a, uh, a funny kind of side bet going. They're always betting on what my next vocation is going to be. What am I going to try next? Um, I, I think somebody has money on hot air balloonist uh, pilot or something along those lines. But uh, I, I've, I've been a cave guide. I used to um, I used to take people through caves. Uh, I did tourism type of stuff for a number of years. I uh, spent a few months, uh, well, half a year or so, as a high-tech recruiter um, where I didn't know anything about, really, about information technology or computers at that time. Um, you know, I was a, when I was in college, I was a drama major, you know, I was a, I was a music major. I, the, the, the arts were the things that I naturally gravitated to. Um, but then through a weird exchange while I was looking for some part-time work to do while I was going through school, uh, one of my friends who eventually ended up being my brother-in-law came to me and said, Hey, there's this job over here in, in the, in the computer business. And I think you'd be good at it. And I was like, man, all I can do is check my hotmail. You, you remember hotmail? Yeah. that tells you how old I am. Nonetheless, uh, I was like, man, I, I, you know, he's like, I think you'd be good at it anyway. So I interviewed and I did, I took to it like a, kind of like a fish to water. And then for the last 20 years off and on, uh, I've worked for different fortune 500 companies and done some consulting stuff and I've been in the it field, but not completely like not solely in the IT field. I've done other things as well. I, I played poker professionally for a little while when um, I didn't have uh, IT work. Uh, I did. I worked on a presidential campaign in the national offices in, in D.C. Uh, back uh, in 2004. Uh, I've done some consulting work, uh, you know, especially in the IT field. I've been a business owner. Um, I, my first business was multi-level marketing stuff. And I'll be honest, I learned a lot from multi-level marketing. A lot of good, a lot of bad. But one thing that I really took 
took away from that. One thing that that uh, multi-level marketing really stresses is self-development. And so I had started going down that path. And while I left the the MLM world because you know it's basically sales and it wasn't something that really resonated with me, but the self-help stuff really did. The the self-betterment stuff, the self-care, the self-love, those things really resonated with me quite a bit. And so I kind of held on to them throughout the years. And it's helped me so much in in so many different ways. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Um, the Dale Carnegie course, as you know, was to some degree life changing uh, because it set me kind of down a different path. Um, I've done some videography work. Uh, I've I've done some YouTube creation stuff. Uh, I wrote I wrote songs and sang. I was a singer songwriter uh, off and on. That was mostly a hobby, but it's still a piece of of what I've done. And now today I'm doing a podcast. When I think back to all of the different things that I've done, I wasn't schooled to do any of them. I didn't train to do any of them. It was all on the job learning. I just went and did it. Not because I was good at it, not because I necessarily had an aptitude for it. I'll tell you right now that as a high-tech recruiter or headhunter, I failed miserably. I never made one placement. I had one placement that almost went through, and then at the last minute, it didn't. And that was pretty devastating. That was that was a failure, but I learned so much from that job, that experience. Um, and I was, I was hired to do that by a legend in the recruiting field, and he taught me so much. To this day, one of the things that I always do is plan my day. That was one of the things that I learned when I was a, was a recruiter, as a headhunter, was to sit down every morning and take 30 minutes and plan what you're going to do that day. Now, I don't sit down and do it with a, a notebook these days, but every day I have a mental checklist of things that I know I need to get done that day, and I have a plan for what I'm going to do with my day. And I learned that from the recruiting job that I was in. It set me up for success. That failure set me up for success in ways that I I don't even know how to describe sometimes. I forget how to describe them uh, because it's just become a part of me. One of the things that, that one of the themes that you're going to see through this podcast, one of the themes you're going to see through these episodes, failure after failure after failure, but you're also going to see success after success after success. And what we will eventually realize is the folks that have accomplished things like their CEOs of companies or vice presidents and so forth are not any different than you or I because they are plain ordinary dragons too. They are also doing their best to live their best life and they have just gone a different path than you or I have. Doesn't mean we couldn't go down that path necessarily. So one of the things we're going to find is going to be how same, how the how similar we all are, not how different we all are. And that that I think is an important. In fact, I think that's a very important concept for us to grab onto. And we'll talk more about that as time goes on. I had some impactful moments when I was growing up. I feel like some of this I should share just so that you're aware. I've had my own challenges to overcome in life too. It hasn't always been smooth sailing. Um, by any stretch of the imagination. In the process of trying to learn how to become the best version of myself, 
it has required me to go in and ask people about different perceptions that they might have about me. And one that, that comes to the surface uh, pretty frequently, especially from friends of mine when we were like in high school and college, is people seem to think that I'm very lucky. People seem to think that I'm always in the right place at the right time. I don't necessarily disagree that I have had a good string of luck. And I don't necessarily disagree that I've had a bit of privilege as well. However, the thing that's interesting to me is that more than anything else, I just believe I live a charmed life. Okay, so to transition to a, another topic, I guess, because um, I kind of bird walk, you'll find that that's what I do. I do, I do a lot of, of bird walking or uh, rabbit chasing and so forth. I find it helps my process to understand more about things rather than less. So uh, I wanted to tell you a little bit about some of the adversity and the challenges that I've had to go through in my life. One early morning in, I believe it was January. I think it was the last day of January in, in 1991. I was driving to school with uh, one of my best friends in the front seat with me and one of my brothers and one of my sisters in the back seat. And this was a brand new car. I'll never forget it. It was a Mazda protege. My father had bought it the night before and he allowed me to take it to school. That was a very fateful morning. This was, this was before... Uh, the internet was everywhere, folks. And back then, uh, for school closing, you had to either watch the TV or uh, listen to the radio. And that was the only way to know whether school was open or closed. The school that I went to at this point was a, a small private uh, school and we were never on the TV. Uh, we were always on, you know, on the radio. And uh, this particular morning, it was cold but there wasn't really much precipitation. By the time it was time to go to school, which was, I think, about a 30-minute trip, they hadn't called school at that point. So we left. And on the way to school, unbeknownst to us, they had called school. And the reason they had called school was because there was black ice. Now, if you've never dealt with black ice before, and those of you who have can, can testify to this, but if you have never dealt with black ice before, there's nothing you can do because you can't see it. It's just, it's not there. And so what happens is, is if you can't see it and you can't react, you don't know it's there until you start feeling things moving, shifting. And that's what happened. Uh, as we were going around a curve, we were probably about three miles from school at the time. As we went around a curve, we hit some black ice and the car circled out of control. It hit a culvert and it flipped over and it crushed the cab. I broke my neck, my uh, C6. No, I'm sorry. My C7 vertebra in my, in my neck got a compression fracture. And I remember this, this was, um, the, I'm not going to go into a lot of depth on this story, but I just want you to understand that it's a very harrowing moment when after you have blacked out and you wake up and you look around and you realize that because you're, you're wearing your seatbelt, you're now hanging from the ceiling. And when I looked down, my legs were moving around as if I were an octopus. The signals from my brain to my legs were not processing correctly. That is 
one of the scariest moments I've ever had in my entire life. And there's, there's no good way to really explain it to you except for, you know, we just move naturally. We understand how we move and, and our brain takes care of that, right? You don't have to think about, Hey, I'm going to move my hand here. You just do it. But when that signal gets mixed up and you're thinking, okay, I need to move this, my foot this way or my leg this way. When you, when you try to do that and you can't, let me tell you, son, <laughs> let me tell you, friends, let me tell you new friends. It is, it is scary. It is a panicked moment. And all I could do at 17 years old was think to myself, you need to calm down and see if you can get your legs to stop moving. And I calmed myself down as best I could in the midst of this. And I tried to get my legs to stop moving and they did. And I thought, okay, okay. And about that time, um, about that time, I felt myself being pulled out of the car. My best friend pulled me out of the car and laid me on the ground um, because he was afraid that the car was going to explode. And of course, my brother and sister were both younger than me, and um, so they were they were pretty uh, nervous and upset and and so forth. Well, that was the beginning of, of um, a three or four month journey to find a way to learn how to walk again and to see specialists and doctors and all those kinds of things. And so at, at one point, uh, and I had so many very generous people help me and my family through that entire situation. There are people that I can't thank enough for it. Um, uh, Norma Wilson, uh, was a lady who we didn't have a big enough house for what I was going to need for, for my, my medical stuff, uh, for the, uh, they had me in traction, uh, for those of you who don't know what traction is basically when you break your neck, they, um, they, they put kind of like a, a headgear around you and they hook it up to a pulley with some weights on it. And it's to, to, to allow the bones in your neck to be spread apart enough so that they, um, no more damage can be done. And it, it holds your, your, holds your head in traction like that, uh, with all of the pressure off of, um, off of your neck, uh, as the bones regrow. And so for several months, that's what I did. I was in traction. I couldn't get up. Um, you know, I had all of the fun stuff, right? You know, bedpans, all that kind of jazz. Uh, and Norma was kind enough to give us, uh, uh, give me a room in her house so that there was somewhere for me to be taken care of like this. Uh, and so I'm forever grateful to Norma for that. Uh, my best friend, uh, in the, in the world, uh, Aaron tower, who is, uh, now a doctor in, in the air force, uh, at, at the time, uh, he had graduated high school and I hadn't. And so he hadn't really decided what he was going to do with his life. And so he spent all that time with me and I can't thank him enough. There's just no way because, you know, he did everything that needed to be done. And when you are someone that is willing to be there with your friend and wipe his butt and do all of the, the things and deal with and deal with me. Oh, for the love of, of all that is holy, I was hard to deal with because I was young and I didn't I didn't know and I was mad and and it was frustrating and it was something but eventually, 
I learned to overcome it. Eventually, I learned how to deal with it. And I learned that just because, uh, you know, just because somebody is in that type of a situation, it doesn't make them any different than you. And that was something I had never learned. It was something I, I, that I knew intuitively, but until the tables were kind of turned on me, I didn't, I didn't fully understand the experience. And so it was, it was so much, it was so much of a learning experience. I'm glad it happened. Now, to this day, I have had no uh, lingering effects. I was, I was very lucky and I have, I have no lingering effects from, from, from that accident. I'm able to walk, talk, um, you know, all those different things. Uh, rehab wasn't any fun, but I, I was able to get through it. And so people are like, wait, you broke your neck. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I did. No, you couldn't have done. Well, yeah, yeah, I did. Well, you must be lucky. Well, I, I am. I think we all are. I think luck is where opportunity and preparedness meets. And I think that, um, that, you know, I was, I was lucky that, that nothing happened, uh, in my spinal canal, but by the same token, uh, we listened to what the doctors had to say. And, and, you know, when my dad asked the, the, the doctor, Hey, if this was your child, how would you do it? He, and he said, I'd have him in interaction for 90 days. That's what I would do. And that was very devastating to me because I was already up walking at that point. I shouldn't have been, but I was because the other doctors had said, Hey, you can do this. So those are things um, that that I had to go through. You know, I, I realized at that point I was never going to be an athlete. I'd always loved sports. I'd played volleyball. I'd played soccer. Um, all the sports that I wanted to play, you know, they contact sports were pretty much out for me from there on out, which was good because it allowed because I would have never been an athlete. <laughs> there, there are other reasons why, but but it was a good shift of direction for me, and it. And it turned out to be a really great story that I could reference. And when I needed to say, man, I don't know if I can do this. What I was able to do is I was able to go ahead and say, you know what? I came through a broken neck and I can walk and talk. Maybe I can do this. And so it gave me confidence going forward and it gave me an understanding uh, going forward. So those were all important things, but it wasn't a defining moment in my life. It was just an impactful moment. It was something that I learned a lot about. I learned how fleeting life was. I could have died in that accident and it could just like that could have been over. But it, it wasn't. And so I knew that every day that I got past then was one that I was lucky to have. Did that stop me from going into a depression years later and, and you know, dealing with, with suicidal thoughts and things like that? No, it didn't stop any of that because I'm human and I, I have flaws and I have things I have to deal with that sometimes I don't remember to think back on all the good in my life. And maybe sometimes you forget that too, but try not to try to keep it in front of you. Try to keep the good in front of you. Try to keep the, the, the good there so that you can see it. So you can be reminded of it. So you can be inspired by it because when you do that, then you're going forward. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I, I've started to realize that I, I think purpose and one of my business coaches and mentors is uh, Kathy Heller. 
and you'll you'll hear more about her because uh, we're giving away some of her books. Uh, she's got a, a new book coming out in about eight weeks, and we've pre-ordered a bunch of them, and we want to be able to give these to to people because we think they're going to be really great workbooks for. Um, and we think they're going to be really great workbooks for life, uh, for things that you want to do, for living the life that you want to live. Uh, and so one of the things that Kathy has has said is that she believes that the opposite of depression is purpose. And I believe her. I think that's true. I think that's a true thing. I think that when we find our purpose, not just success, success is fleeting. I mean, we can take a look at, at uh, so many people that have found financial success only to watch it be snatched away and then have to do it all over again. And the reason they can do it all over again is because that is not the measure of success. That is the measure of the story of money that we tell ourselves. And the measure of success is putting one foot in front of the other. Uh, you will hear on this podcast very frequently that there is no destination that there is only journey. It's all a journey. And where we're going, where we end up is not the point. It's not really even that important. Yes, there are things that we have to do to exist, right? We do need money. <laughs> I love having money. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with it, in my opinion. But it's not, it's not the destination that, that I thought it was, at least when I was growing up. I grew up in a fairly poor household financially speaking um, it got better as time went on as I got older uh, you know dad's work was more was more stable and so forth but for a lot of years um, there were challenges and I hated I hated I mean I hated being poor or not even really being poor but but not really having the money to do the things that 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 we really wanted to do and you, you know you, you since that growing up you don't want to ask your parents to, you know to do things that they can't do because it makes them sad and you know that and so as i grew up one of the things that i was dead set on was this is not going to be my future i'm going to do other things and i've tried a lot of different things and i've tried a lot of different money-making scenarios and so forth. And I chased the money for a really long time. I was fairly successful in regards to your typical nine to five. I've, I've been very successful in my work career. I, I currently work for a fortune 500 company doing information technology stuff. Uh, I've worked for at least two others. I've worked for educational cooperatives. I've, I've done a lot of uh, things in my life where you would look at it and go, that is success. But the reality is, is that that's having a good career and having a good career is not necessarily being successful, uh, being successful, you know, even, uh, it's one of the things, you know, in, in the corporate world where I, where my work lives, one of the things that they do is, uh, a lot of self-development stuff. And that's because they're trying to keep the, the workers engaged and keep them happy and provide value to them, uh, based on the value that they provide to the company. Right. Well, you know, occasionally we have to fill out surveys and just recently I had to fill one out and, you know, some of the questions that they ask you are questions that are very similar to the questions you would ask yourself if you were trying to figure out how you wanted 
to live your life. It doesn't matter if you're in a Fortune 500 company or if you're in your bedroom recording a podcast because you had an idea that you thought would spread, because you had an idea that radical empathy is something that's important, because you had an idea that maybe you could help someone else out. Maybe you could be there for them and support them the way other people have supported you. It doesn't matter where you're at or what you're doing. You get to choose. You get to choose how you want to react. You know, that's one of the, one of the, um, uh, the ways in the seven habits of highly effective people, they talk about responsibility and that being that you are able to choose your response to any stimuli right? Like somebody slaps you, uh, you know, you don't have to respond by slapping them right back. You can respond by looking them in the face and saying, I forgive you. Which one's more powerful? Self-development for me allows me to be able to do things like that, to change my paradigm, my perspective. One of my favorite stories in the seven habits of highly effective people one of the ones that was most impactful to me was the story about uh, people being on a subway. And there's a man who's kind of sitting there on the subway and he's got three kids with him. And those three kids are running up and down the aisles and they're yelling and they're making noise. And, and the, the father presumably is sitting there. He's just kind of zoned out. You're not even really paying attention to the kids. And there are some passengers on the, you know, on the bus that are on the, the subway. There's some passengers there. They're getting really irritated. You know how you get irritated when, you know, somebody's not taking care of their kids and, you know, they're, they're being, you know, little hellions and you, you know, you, you know what I'm saying? We've all been there. You've been in an airplane where the baby won't stop crying, you know, and you just, you get that, that, that thing in the pit of your stomach. You're like, oh, I wish this guy would just take care of his responsibilities. I wish he would go ahead and keep his kids in line. I, why don't people teach their children how to act responsibly? And so some of the, some of the passengers on the, on the subway uh, were talking about it. And finally, one of them went up to the man and said, Sir, I cannot believe you are letting your children run up and down the aisles here. They're being unruly. They're screaming and yelling and they're disrupting the other passengers. I just can't believe that you would, you would not take care of your kids in that way and, and not, not teach them the proper way to exist in a society. And the man kind of broke out of his days and, and, and kind of woke up, you know, cause he was in another place and he looked up at, at, at the, the gentleman and said, I'm so sorry. We're just coming from my wife's funeral. And I guess I was caught up in that. Talk about a paradigm shift. Talk about a new perspective. Now the story ends as happily as that type of story can end because the other passengers, uh, they start to console the man. They start to, you know, interact with the kids and, and, and they, they start to have some empathy, have some compassion, show some love. And that all changed just like that in an instant. 
when they understood someone else's point of view, when you're able to step out of yourself, when you're able to look at someone else's situation and have empathy and have compassion and have love for your fellow human, it changes everything. It changes everything. You know, I have a hard time telling that story. I have a hard time telling a lot of impactful stories um, like that because they really affect me. Um, it was <laughs> it wasn't that long ago that I discovered I am what what is called an empath. I, I don't know if any of you have ever heard of this before, but apparently you take on the feelings of others around you, the people in the room, and so forth, and and stories like that can really. Uh, can really impact you. And so I have a hard time sometimes even telling stories like that without getting all choked up myself. In fact, most of the time I do and then do my best to still look like I'm staying strong. Anyway, we're going to talk a lot more about those kinds of things. We're going to talk a lot more about perspectives and paradigms and what it takes to be successful and how we already are successful and how powerful we are. We're going to have some pretty good quotes and we're going to have some quotables and we're going to go ahead and, you know, we're going to have, it's going to be fun. And, and I, I hope you enjoy this, this ride with me. I hope you go on this plain ordinary dragon journey with me as we, as we get to the end of, of this first season season, we will look back and go, you know what? There was some value there. We, we found some things that really helped us move along in our lives and, and also the, the lives of the people around us, the, our sphere of influence, as they call it. I'm going to need your help as, as much as I can get it because I'm going to need you dragons. I, I, I need you not only to listen, not only to consume, I need you to spread the news. I need you to talk to other people, not about the podcast. It doesn't matter. You know, the podcast doesn't matter whether it's successful or whether it, it falls on its face and, and only 10 people hear it. But if one person out of those 10 hears it and it gives them hope, if it gives them inspiration, if it gives them a moment, an aha moment uh, to, where they can go, ooh, yes, I can do this, or oh, that's what that is. That's, I was meant to do this. If, if just one person has it, then all the time, effort, energy, and money to put all of this together will be worth it. 100%. And I hope you come along on the journey and I, and I hope you get to see all of the wins and, and all of the successes and all of the failures and all those good things that are going to happen. I hope you stay with us. We've got some great guests coming up. Um, and this is the first episode. This is the first of what I hope will be many. Uh, but coming up, we're going to talk with uh, my friend Tim Jackson, who who's a, a, uh, was a phenomenal paramedic, and he now works in hospital administration. And he's going to tell us about his journey and some of the things that, that he went through to get where he is now. I'm super excited. Uh, that should be episode two. We're going to talk to my friend Donnie Lee, uh, who... Uh, you know, he, uh, he does all sorts of things. He, he did distance learning stuff for, for a while. Um, he dug elevators, uh, you know, shafts as well. We'll get to all that, but I'm super excited. You're going to love Donnie's episode. We've got, uh, Hal Borland, who's one of my mentors in the IT field. He's, he's coming up too. Um, and all, and we've released all of these today. Uh, so obviously you have episode one to listen to. You can also listen to two, three, and four today. And then next Monday we will have 
Homer Keys of Firebird Straps, Firebird Guitar Straps. He's going to uh, join us the following Monday. So, uh, and then every Monday after that, we'll get together and we'll talk and and we'll go ahead and look at other people's journeys. Uh, or maybe we'll just talk about some some different philosophical things or some inspiration things or quotes or well, I love quotes by the way, I love them. And you know, I, I want to just start the podcast off with in the first episode. I want to offer you. If you have something that you would like to share with us here at Plain Ordinary Dragon, please, by all means, contact us. Uh, you can, uh, we're, on, we're on most of the platforms. Uh, we're Plain Ordinary Dragon on Instagram. Uh, you can find us on our website. Uh, you can go check it out. There are a number of articles that have been written uh, on the website as well. And that's kind of the ground zero for all our stuff. You can find us at uh, you know, plainordinarydragon.com. And uh, we're also on Twitter. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I forgot my tw- Twitter handle. I think it's Plano Dragon. Uh, but anyway, we're, we're out there. Uh, and also, oh, before I forget, before I forget, what we did was we created a Facebook group. And the Facebook group is just for the podcast. Um, it's just so if you want to hop in and discuss some of the things from the podcast. You can do that in the group. And I wanted to have more than just a page. I mean, we've got a a plain ordinary dragon page as well. The page doesn't really do what we're, what we're trying to do. We want, we want there to be some community around plain ordinary dragon, and we want you to be a part of it. And we hope you will. Uh, if you, if you go to uh, Facebook, you can find, uh, find us plain ordinary dragon. Uh, that's the, the name, uh, of the, of the Facebook group, plain ordinary dragon podcast discussion group, send a request to join. It's a closed group. That way we can all feel like it's a safe place to talk about whatever. Uh, and that's the idea behind it. It's just so that there's a place for you and other listeners to talk about things. And we can kind of create a little bit of a community around, um, around being plain ordinary dragons folks, you know, and, uh, you know, seeing how amazing we are. It would be a great place for us to talk about what we're going to do and where we're going to go and all those kinds of things. So don't forget to go check out the Facebook group. And, uh, if you, if you want to follow us on Instagram, that's great. We, uh, what we do on on our Instagram account is, uh, you know, we just add things that, that we feel support, uh, the, the mission, (laughs) the support, the philosophy, um, you know, a, a philosophy driven life. That's what we do. So you'll find some, some quotables there. Uh, and some pretty pictures on Instagram if you want to check that out. And as I leave you today, I want you to remember something. You may be plain and you may be ordinary, but you're a dragon. You can do amazing things. And we can't wait to hear your voice in this world. There were no answers there. Where are the answers? Where are